Do you think food and spirituality are interconnected? Have you ever been manipulated into eating a specific diet? Do you think it's possible to have a healthy relationship with someone who is struggling with addiction? Do you know what healthy love looks like for you versus a trauma bond? In today's episode on Root Awakening, a health podcast, we are talking with Danae Mather. Danae is a yoga teacher at Kula Yoga in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and this is actually Danae's second appearance on Root Awakening, a health podcast. She was also on episode 20, and in that episode, she tells us about booty yoga, which is a style of yoga that she teaches at Kula Grand Rapids, and it's a really interesting style of yoga. If you haven't listened to the episode, definitely do so. We also go deep into spirituality on the same episode, and Danae tells us about this other side of the 5D. And for those who aren't very familiar with what the 5D is, what does that really mean? So we're in the 3D right now. The human plane is the 3D. And when you get into the spiritual world, the 5D, the fifth dimension, is where all the crazy, dreamy stuff happens. It's where a lot of the spiritual mediums visit. It's perhaps where you might astral travel. All of these really spiritual terms happen around the 5D. The the fifth dimension is talked a lot about in the spiritual community. Well, back in the time of episode 20 on this podcast, I was doing psychic readings for a living and I was dabbling a lot in the 5D. And Danae has had a very different experience than me in the 5D. She talks about the dark side of the fifth dimension. A lot of us in the spiritual community see the fifth dimension as this awesome place where all the good manifestations are. And in episode 20, Danae reminds us that the 5D can also bring a lot of not so great scenarios to a lot of people. So it's a fascinating, really wild psychedelic episode. Definitely listen to it if you haven't yet. But on this podcast episode, Danae and I are talking a lot more in the third dimension. We are talking a lot more about stuff that's on the human plane. We're talking about food today. We're talking about addiction. And we're talking about love and relationships. The difference between trauma bonding and maybe not so healthy love and true deep intentional connection that feels safe and we we end the episode by talking about this concept of being emotionally safe and to start off the episode we kick it off on food we talk a lot about the dogma and different types of diet world, you know, we have the keto diet, the carnivore diet, the vegan diet, and how easy it is to get kind of sucked into that dogma. And we talk about how food connects with spirituality. And Danae has a really beautiful perspective on how food connects to spirituality and we talk a lot about our evolving viewpoints towards food and then we go into addiction and talk about what it's like to be in a relationship where addiction is present so it's a really fun episode really interesting I know that you'll enjoy it let's get into it 
This is Root Awakening, a health podcast. My name is Emily Kosick. I am a self-development coach and the CEO of Root Awakening. And Root Awakening is a holistic home of self-development and empowered community. You can follow me on social media. I am on Instagram at emilys.rootawakening. Root is spelled R-O-O-T. Message me, say hi, contact me. Let me know what you're dealing with. Let me know what your situation is right now. Let me know how you like the podcast. Start a conversation with me. I fully encourage that. So it has become important for me to create some communities off social media because I'm getting closer and closer to being banned on Instagram. All of the guidelines are just against my moral code and I don't follow them anyway. It's just Instagram's great, but at the same time, I don't really support who's on top of Instagram. So I've created some communities off of social media. I have my email tribe, which is free. I email out one newsletter per week that talks about what I've been dealing with in my personal life, kind of weekly advice and tips on how to get through just day-to-day struggles, day-to-day challenges. I tell you about what I'm dealing with in my life and how I get through that, how I am moving through that. So you get a lot of content that I wouldn't post on social media. And you get to know me a little bit more and you get to know how I navigate through self-development in my more personal life. And you can join the email tribe through the link that is in the show notes. And I have also created the Root Awakening Commune, which is a community portal off of social media. It's on Mighty Network, so it has its own app. And this is a place where we can talk about homesteading and camping and survival skills and cryptocurrency, basically all the stuff that would help us out so much if society just completely collapsed. So it's a really nice security blanket to have when just feeling like you want to be prepared and understanding more about how you can continue on with your self-development journey to become more autonomous in this world. It's a really nice safe space. It's a private community. I have to approve everyone that comes into the community. And it's really nice to be able to connect with everybody in more of a conversational context. We can all post. I post in there all the time to share tips and recipes and herb identifications, all all of that and we would love to have you if you're interested in joining you can message me on Instagram or you can email me my email is in the show notes as well on this episode to join I also have a communication course this is a online course very simple very quick that will help you learn to get really strong in your boundaries learn how to gracefully communicate the all of the uncomfortable stuff and learn how to communicate what's on your mind but in a way that's not aggressive and in a way that's not really weak either I figured out some really nice communication templates to use for uncomfortable situations that will help you to get really comfortable communicating openly and I use these techniques with myself I use them every day and they have helped me to build up my communication skills up to an expert level. So if you're interested in taking advantage of that opportunity, the link is in the bio for this communication course as well. And I am taking one-on-one coaching clients again. I'm really excited about this. Lately, what has been coming up for me in my coaching process is 
emotional healing through sexuality and through orgasms. And I have dabbled in this healing technique about six months ago and saw a lot of really interesting connections between my sexual energy and my emotional landscape and the trauma that I've experienced earlier on in life. This is something that I'm really excited to teach more about. I have noticed such a strong connection between the release of an orgasm and the release of pent-up emotions and I think trauma responses. We tend to suppress our emotions when we have trauma responses. I certainly do at least. And where does that energy go? The energy has to go somewhere. So it gets stored at a place in your body. And for me, a lot of this emotional, the suppressed emotional energy gets stored around my pelvic area. I've noticed a lot of healing when experimenting with self-pleasure and doing that in with the intent of emotional healing so i'm really excited to be coaching on this in addition to communication skills in addition to boundary setting and just overall connection to self and i will be working with a man and a woman separately on this so i'm really excited to start working with clients again and if you're interested in working with me on these topics as well you can contact me through the information in the show notes i would love to have a conversation with you about what you're dealing with and where you want to go in your self-development process i'm just really excited okay let's get into this episode with danae mather yoga teacher at kula grand rapids hello everybody Welcome back to Root Awakening a Health podcast. I am with Danae Mather. Danae has come on the podcast way back in episode 20, and we had a very spiritual episode. This is when I was doing psychic readings for a living, and I was dabbling in the 5D a lot. And Danae has a very different point of view on the 5D and Back in that episode, we talk about the other side of the 5D that might not be so warm and fuzzy. It's a really interesting episode. And here's one of the things I love about Danae. She is so, what was I thinking about earlier? I was, I was thinking about some words that really remind me of Danae. And it, it, it's, it's just like her spiritual education. She's so advanced spiritually. And I don't usually describe spirituality like that because I think spirituality is different for everybody, but also the same. Those phrases come to mind when I talk to Janae because she's just so aware about all of the different spiritual trends, viewpoints, sciences, philosophies, and she has a lot of knowledge that I've really never heard before in the spiritual industry and a very unique point of view and also a very compassionate and evolved point of view. We can have, we can completely disagree, Danae and I, and have a beautiful conversation at the same time that is compassionate towards one another, which I think is extremely special. And the dogma really gets left behind in my conversations with her, which is really nice. She has a very well-rounded view on things. So in episode 20, make sure you listen to that episode as well. We talked about uh, the other side of the 5D. We talked about all the really uh, heavy spiritual topics. 
In this episode, we're going to be talking about ingesting stuff and consuming stuff. So we're going to start out with food today, and we are going to segue into addiction. And we'll probably tie it together with some spirituality towards the end. But I'm really excited to have Danae Mather back on the podcast. Danae, welcome back to Root Awakening, a health podcast. Thank you so much, Emily. It's really nice to be back. I've never been back on a podcast before. And um, thank you for saying those kind things. Um, That's really interesting to hear myself, to hear anybody say something (laughs) like that. It's so kind and the antithesis of what I have been feeling lately. Um, So I appreciate your words. And I also appreciate you and our ability to have just an open conversation and talk about whatever. Yeah, I think, I mean every word, first of all. Second of all, I think it's so important for us to be able to talk about different spiritual or wellness philosophies at the same time. And clearly, I don't even want to say dif- disagree, but that's kind of what it is. Some We have different views on some things, but we can just talk like humans to one another. And it's not even like we're trying to keep the argument on the DL. We just totally understand that each of us has a different life experience and different Uh, viewpoints on it, different viewpoints on our lives. And I think that's really cool. That's important. And it's not so common, I would say, in the wellness community. So, so grateful to have you here. And I didn't mention, Danae is a yoga teacher at Kula in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So that is where we are located. It's a beautiful yoga studio, all different kinds of really interesting classes. Uh, Danae teaches booty yoga. You still teach booty yoga, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, booty yoga. And she talks a little bit about um, this type of yoga in episode 20, her first episode on here. And uh, yeah, it's a beautiful place. So if you're in Michigan, visit Kula Yoga. Danae teaches there. And I want to start off this episode by talking about your thoughts on food, Danae. You're in this dare I say, transitional period, or you're in this period where you're kind of uh, assessing your relationship to food. And correct me if I'm wrong there, but let's hear about just this topic of food and your outlook on that right now. Yeah, thank thank you for that. That's a good way to put it. Um, Assessing and it's kind of a scary, very uncomfortable place to be. So historically, I have been I've been for very strictly vegan for over five years. And before that vegetarian for over six years, it's been longer than a decade. And um, before I made the decision to be vegetarian, it was, that was when I, um, right after I graduated high school and started working my first job, there had been many years through high school, previously middle school, where I was wanting to be vegetarian, asking lots of questions. And I can remember even earlier than that, asking questions, posing questions, and no one could really give me an answer about um, why people eat meat. And, and so I have had this, that kind of a relationship with food for most of my life. Um, and just since August-ish times, I have been confronted with some questions that I just have been allowing to be questions for a long time. Um, And 
just like lifting the lid a little bit to like, okay, what's in this like little basket of questions and then closing the lid and lifting it and closing it and like lifting it. And they're saying like, but we're really important for you to look at. And then I like close it again. And it's just gotten like to where it's nagging on me to, to deal with it lately. And um, so I don't have an answer. There's no, nothing to wrap up the end of, of this journey that I'm on right now. Cause I'm not at the end of it. Um, I'm just like kind of sifting through things. Cool. I would like to, before we move further, I would like to talk about the specific questions that you had about people eating meat back in the day, like whatever you can remember, you know, what, what kind of topics would come up in that realm? This kind of sound, cause I was a juvenile. It's, it's going to sound a little juvenile, but I remember just being really horrified when I was young at the idea of what was on the table. Um, the recognition of the fact that there, there were animals that um, my just ten tenderness and my heart couldn't really, I just would get very sad and emotional about it. I remember being late elementary through middle school. Um, my family was part of a Christian reformed church and I was really involved in the youth group. So I was bringing questions into youth group that were <laughs> deep and like looking at my youth group leaders and, you know, all the people would be talking about the pizza party or whatever. And I was like, I, why do you think that we should be eating meat. Like, can you show me where in the Bible it talks about this? What do you think mm. God about? Like, I don't understand. Like, where is it? <laughs> I don't. I'm. I'm curious about this. Is it? Is it right? Is it wrong? And um, no. I just got like blank stares a lot. Really, is kind of like, why are you asking me that? Like, I don't really want to talk about that, or I don't have the. I think that a lot of people just hadn't really thought about it for themselves. Um, yeah, it was very philosophical. I just, I, I'm having flashes of memories of being just like really young and like feeling like it, it wasn't right for, for me. Like I shouldn't be doing it. Um, and it felt like the right thing to do. I asked for so long internally and waited over. And when I started working my first job, uh, my, my boyfriend at the time was like, well, now you can, you can just buy everything for yourself. So try it for a week and see what you think. Um, and if you need to support yourself and just buy your own groceries, you can do that now. So I did that and I never looked back um, or I never went back. I, I definitely looked back, but didn't um, change. It was like forever that way. Okay. Completely understandable. And I would say a lot of us, especially us and more empathic folks have had these thoughts. I had the same very similar experience when I was in high school and college when I finally made the the jump to vegetarianism for a while. So you were vegetarian and then vegan. And where, at what point did you start to question that or did these alternative ideas come up? From vegetarian to vegan or from, from, from vegan to now? From vegan to now. Mm. So it was specifically around like August keeps standing out to me. Um, my husband had a, we got connected to someone who does quantum body readings and her gift is that she can have a conversation with your physical body and translate what's going on internally and also in your like spiritual or energy body. 
and give you tangible action items to deal with what's going on. And so her, she's translating, yes, there's some like emotional things or like um, ailments that are more energy-based, but most of what she does is, is like, this is, this is what's going on with your Hashimoto's or um, your body is lacking in this and this and this. And cause he's, he's vegan as well. We went, we made that switch together. Um, and the information that came out of it from her insight and it was just mind blowing. Um, and she gave him two pages of suggestions of things to do and from her perspective she's she was like well I don't I don't care what people are doing vegetarian or vegan or meat eating it doesn't matter to me at all what I'm more concerned about is um if you're getting your minerals and it was it was a conversation about lack of minerals and mineralization of the body um which is brand was brand new information for both of us um, which I've now seen since that time, more and more people talking about it and which is a good thing. Um, but it just, or maybe I'm, op my eyes are open to it and people have been talking about it for a long time. I don't know, but, um, the information that came back on paper, I was like, Hmm, I had to wrestle. Like, do I say that I don't trust this woman who I've asked him to have a session with to make, keep myself comfortable? in what I believe, or do I consider <laughs> that there's something different going on? Because her suggestion included um, cod liver oil. It was like, here, you can have like, you can start incorporating seafood and, and meat and eggs, like get some eggs in your diet. Um, or here's a list of supplements you can take instead. And it wasn't even, it wasn't better. It was liver, um cod liver oil or beef liver tablets and um shilajit is in the equation which isn't an animal product but um magnesium in a couple different forms vitamin e there were i can't even remember them all off the top of my head but it was a lot so um i my it's is his body and his journey so i took the role of being just completely supportive of what was what he wanted to do and um, him pursuing those supplements made a huge shift for him mm. in energy level and healing ability and just just the whole gamut of things that he was dealing with. It was a, a noticeable, rapid shift. And for me to witness that, it was like, okay, there's little questions and now here's like a little bit of evidence. So I, I'm like at a crossroads where I can start to just soften and open up to be open to some different information or um, I just don't feel like I can shut it out. Otherwise I'm, that seems hypocritical and it's, it's, it doesn't, it's not integrous. So that like kind of cracked it open a little bit um and I've been remaining open to information since then and it just keeps presenting itself I've been just taking screenshots and reading articles and videos and um yeah it's been interesting <laughs> mm -hmm. oh my god when you start <laughs> tapping into the 
okay, could there be some reasons to get into animal products? What a, what a world and talk about arguments and stuff like that. It's also really harsh too. And, uh, lots of dogma on both sides for sure, as in the meat eaters and the vegans. Mm -hmm. So let me summarize really quickly. And you can tell me Danae, if I'm correct, you and your husband saw a quantum body healer that that gave you each an assessment of each of your bodies, correct? Actually, he just had the, he had the appointment. I haven't had one yet myself, but my information was like, wow, this is going on with him and I'm seeing this happen for him. Um, So I feel like I would be experiencing similar changes if I made those changes myself. Yes, yes. And how does your health feel currently how has your health felt being vegan I actually feel pretty good I feel like I haven't had many complaints other than um my personal struggle with too much coffee and caffeine which is separate from that conversation well I don't know maybe um where I feel right now is is really good um I don't have major health concerns or complaints I drink a lot of coffee and I have gone up and down about that, but I have for years struggled with the feeling of being grounded. And um, I don't know yet if that's associated or going to change with a diet change, but that like flighty stuck in my head, upper chakra energy is my main mode. Um, What is it? Modus operandi. And um, it's hard. It's a big struggle for me. Yeah. So, oh, that's interesting. I I love how all of this is connecting. Like you can really, yeah, it's fascinating to talk about this. And really, Danae and I were talking before we started recording. I rarely talk about diet these days because it's so individual for everybody. It's so hard to talk about without swaying listeners one way or the other swaying people who are in my audience the folks uh, you folks who are listening right now it's hard to to talk about it in a completely objective point of view without kind of leaning to one side or the other but I think that it's interesting to talk about once in a while because it it can connect so deeply to to spirituality, and that's kind of what what Danae was mentioning uh, that she wanted to talk about a little bit the the connection between spirituality and food. Now, up until really this point, I mean, when I was not eating meat, it, I guess it was more of a spiritual thing too, because I was looking at PETA videos and I was like, oh my God, everyone that's harvesting meat is like the demon. And uh, now I eat for, for those who don't know, I eat everything, whole foods, but I eat lots of vegetables. I eat a ton of fruit. I eat a ton of meat. I love meat. I, I eat a lot of meat, but I eat like vegan breakfast with just fruit. And I, I just eat what I enjoy. I eat what I enjoy and I eat what feels good, which for me is whole foods and um, whatever, all this stuff. So up until now though, I would say since I became a health coach up until now, I didn't really connect spirituality and food. Um, but Danae, let's hear your thoughts on that. How do you think food and spirituality connect? I think they're inextricably linked because you're, I'm going to speak from a yogic perspective that is crosses over as well. Um, 
you have several layers of what is like your your body or your bodies and um, one is your physical body it's called your food body and one is your mental body and you've got your emotional body um, your bliss body and then your like divine consciousness and they they're not separate they're all layers that you travel through um, our bodies are our vehicles for experiencing this earth so everything that impacts your physical body and also those bodies that you cannot see is going to impact your whole experience here I think that has to do with the water you drink the air you breathe um, the the food you choose to eat or not eat the clothes you wear the chemicals you're around like it's all sifting through um, and I feel that on a really heavy level a lot <laughs> so when I when I stopped eating meat it felt like okay this is like spiritually right but I'm starting to shift that perspective to be like less about like this part of the spectrum or this part of the spectrum and more about like what is the energy behind this physical thing that's going to go into the physical thing that I am mm-hmm. okay I need to assess my thoughts because there are like three conversations I want to start with you First of all, let's transition into this. What do you think about orthorexia? So I'll give you an example from my life. When I started health coaching, a little bit before when I started health coaching, so when my health fell apart and Western medicine didn't do shit to help me and I had to build my health back up naturally, I got heavy into the natural health world, obviously. And I demonized anything that wasn't whole foods. However, my digestion got worse because I was so fucking stressed about everything I was eating. And if I was out or traveling, I felt like, oh my God, what is this poison I'm putting into my body? And that actually made me feel worse. Then at the start of 2021, I said, fuck it. I'm going to try all of this stuff that I haven't been allowing myself to eat. After talking to a lot of, not a lot, after talking to women who have had eating disorders and digestive issues, and they actually healed themselves by like eating generic ice cream, not, not only or anything, right. But just like eating whatever they wanted, because it was so much more important to relax their nervous system somatically to allow their body to heal. And that actually became in a way healthier for them. So my overall question for you, Danae, is what is your viewpoint on that? The idea of if you're going to choose between a a classically healthy meal, i.e. whole foods or something that's very pure from a food state or emotional health, what would you choose? How do you think those two things interact? Um, I would choose the emotional health one for sure because I believe that the energy and if you, if when you're eating, especially, and you're ingesting food, you're also ingesting energy and whatever energy you have around that that's coming into your body. So if you're like having stressed thoughts about what's on your plate and you're then putting it in your your mouth and swallowing it and it's becoming a part of your body, it's going to be become a part of all of that. So I would, um, and I'm so not trained in this, so I'm just speaking from um, my mostly uninformed thoughts, but. I um, 
I think that they're, they are, are linked together and I would choose whatever's going to be emotionally supportive over quote unquote, some physically healthy. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And that's a hard question too, that you answered so gracefully. In reality, we don't have to choose one over the other. We can find, like, for example, for me, I found a balance. I don't, I, I still don't eat fast food. I, I eat what feels good to me. Um, and that, that ends up being mostly whole foods, but like, I just took home a, you know, an organic ice cream that's full of sugar, like sugar, sugar, right? My body's not going to love it, but I took it home and I'm going to eat it. And because it makes me happy sometimes to do that. So we can find a, a special balance as well. Um, but I thank you for answering that, that question mm -hmm. that was so unrealistically black and white. I, I wanted to see <laughs> what your, what your overall mindset was on that. And then I wanted to add that, yeah, uh, studying Ayurveda, getting my certification in that before I started health coaching officially, they really do link uh, spirituality and food. Uh, Ayurveda, the, the ancient Indian lifestyle, uh, medicine, herbal medicine. They, I was taught by vegetarian, a vegetarian family from Bombay. And, you know, they, their viewpoint on it was if you meditate enough, and if you, if you connect to your intuition enough, you're going to become vegetarian or vegan because you're going to see some shit in your intuition that you're not going to like about what people are doing to animals. Now, I, I still don't have any, I don't have many arguments towards that, but I, I eat meat that is harvested ceremonially and killed in a, in a thoughtful way in the way that I think the food chain should be. Now, that is like my understanding of spirituality and food combined. Uh, so Danae, now at this point, how is that shifting more specifically for you? So before you were like, yeah, this is crazy. Like we're eating, we don't have to eat animals, but we're eating, we're killing and eating animals like nuts. So what kind of topics are catching your eye about uh, the possibility of eating meat? Um. That is a great setup. Thank you. <laughs> so I described it to my husband this way that I'll say, and this light bulb went off for me when I heard someone else speak about it um, in an Instagram and IGTV interview they were doing. So I don't want to take full credit for these words. Um, her name is Carly Rose Bergman, someone that I, I don't know her, but I, I, this is where it's part of this is coming from. When I felt the need to stop eating meat viscerally I feel that it was an appropriate reaction to understanding what was going on and my understanding at that point was related to cruelty abuse um, degradation of spirit factory farming later my understanding of destruction of the environment um and just the mass torture that was like it to me and i know that hundreds of thousands of people have felt the same way uh seeing that picture and also us living in a society where we are not connected to our source of food the way we get food, if we were to describe it, is get into the car and drive to a store and walk around aisles and pick stuff up. Mm. 
and not understanding really anything about that system to have any sort of true framework. Um, so that I, I, I was like, oh, okay, I understand anybody who has, let me say that again, a lot of people who have a deep amount of empathy and a very um, soft heart are going to react that way to it, or at least be horrified. Mm -hmm. So those were my only pieces of information. And so naturally, I'm going to stop, I'm going to pull myself out of that and feel really good about that, because I'm withdrawing from that as my choice. And that's how I'm taking a stand against it. Um, and it was, it's black and white in that perspective. I've been seeing a lot of information about an, a reality that exists off of that spectrum that people are starting to, and I think that has a lot to do with the last couple of years, people are starting to ask a lot more questions about the way things have been set up for us without our permission and in um, our express cons consent. And a lot of that is also our food system. Um, so what's really behind, what agendas are really behind the things that we eat and put in our body. And I mean, there's so many different conversations on that. But for me, it was seeing some of the money that's behind the big alternative meat companies, being really uncomfortable with that, starting to ask questions about, um, or feeling yucky, kind of feeling intuitively like, uh, I don't know if I want to be eating this about like um, soy and wheat products. And, um, and then hearing about monocropping and the way that those products are grown and what is actually cut down to create these products that people are buying from the freezer and buying from the produce aisle maybe, but where are they coming from and how do they get to the produce aisle and are they actually from somewhere that's sustainably close or did they were they grown in this state and flown to this country and put in a box and brought back here? Then it was like, okay, so this is horrible. And like, I kind of feel like this is horrible too. And if I take those things from the vegan perspective off the table and decide not to eat those or participate in those, I'm struggling to feel good about what's left as an option. And that feels kind of like, I feel a little exasperated about it. Um, and then I started hearing people talk about like, yeah, like that other option, like what is um, like regenerative farming and um, working with the farmer. And I started asking like, okay, maybe, cause I had uh, carried judgment about people who would stand up for like people who like even farmers or people who would say like, no, our farm is different. Our farm is the other way. At the end of the day to me, it was like, but the animal still dies. Um, so it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter if the animal's still being slaughtered. It doesn't matter to me. It um, shouldn't be happening. But seeing what happened with um, the information from from my husband's session, and then hearing people start to talk about a different way to do things that is also removed from both of those systems, removed from the mass animal agriculture system, and also removed from monocropping around the world, and removed from everything that I was having a problem with. I was like, oh okay, maybe we, maybe there's a different way that's actually going to be more supportive to everyone in the equation, um, including the earth and including the animals. And that's mind blowing to me. 
I feel mm-hmm. like it, the information was hidden from me, to be honest. And I don't think that was an accident. I think people's good nature gets used against them or it gets taken advantage of um, when they are in soft and open state. Like if there's another agenda at place at play, they can easily come in and say, okay, well, look over here. Here's an easy answer for you. Um, and I do feel that at some level as far as big companies and other big agendas who are like, cool, now you can put this on your plate because it benefits us. And here's a bunch of information and images that will bolster you up to feel that way. Um, but like, also don't look at the truth. Mm-hmm. That was a lot. That was great. I'm with you a hundred percent. I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. I love where you're going here too, with this idea where, I mean, like brainwashing is such an activated word to say I'm brainwashed or anybody's brainwashed about their diet, but it, okay. In my view, it kind of works like that. For example, when I was getting into the natural health world and I was following bulletproof and all of these, whatever accounts that these big podcasty biohacking natural health accounts, I thought that no matter how you feel emotionally, no matter what your emotional intelligence is, any kind of processed food is horrible for you. That would be way worse than just feeling good about what you're eating. So that's the last thing. And I was brainwashed into the the natural health, keto, whatever dogma. There's a lot of different types of natural health dogma, but I think everybody gets it. And so what I mean by brainwashes, and this is, I think like what Danae is describing, I I just want to assign a word to it. So it'll be easier to talk about, but like, let's just say brainwash, but it really is just like manipulated and, um, you know, I think coerced is a fair word as well. Yeah, coerced. That's great. When I started becoming interested in these accounts, these podcasts, what do you do? What do you do when you're interested in certain topics? You follow them, you research them, and that becomes, that can become your world. And especially for folks like me who, like, I'm not on uh, the internet all the time, researching all different topics. I'm researching the stuff that I'm super into right now. So that's all I'm seeing all the time. So that's all that's being advertised to me. And let me tell you, even the, the most, I don't know, the most thoughtful way of eating can have advertisements that can mislead you. And we have to be, I think I have to be so careful about, what tribe I'm joining. I feel like I need to be my own tribe and not be a part of anyone else's tribe, but then connect interdependently with other people who are also living in their like singular tribe, you know, because we can start to get interested in certain topics. And this also goes for politics too, right? It goes for politics. It goes for just general interests. uh, It goes for diet. It goes for lifestyle it can start to feel like the world is one way when it's really not. And um, we can get manipulated very easily just by advertisement. And it could also be unintentional. Like you could be following a bunch of herbalism accounts and herbalism is so, it's so gentle, right? It's such a gentle industry, but you can start to 
frame your beliefs off of all of these different herbalism uh, sciences and forget about the whole rest of the world that may think differently. And it just goes to goes to show goes to show me that it's so important to have people around that think differently than me and have different backgrounds and don't just like have the same moral code than me uh, because of that. So anyway, I like this. I like this this philosophy that you're bringing up, Danae. And and what are your do you have any thoughts based on what I just said? Yeah, I just, it's so easy to surround yourself by information that's comfortable and um, echoes back to you what you want to believe and and bolsters you up even more. So I think we end, unfortunately, we all end up sometimes in this state where it's like, well, everything around me is is telling me that I'm right. So I'm yeah. I'm right. And it's very hard to pursue the opposite of that and also stay open to keep yourself in a state that's like open to maybe being wrong or maybe not being even just not being right about everything Mm -hmm. I think that's an active practice that we have largely lost as a society yeah for sure because yeah we get so divided about all these topics and and here's my outlook on it and this is really speaking to the whole like being okay to be wrong thing, right? Like I've done root awakening has gone in so many different directions. My business, what I've been doing for a living has gone in so many different directions. And let me tell you after like the second time of being like, Oh, this is the thing for me. It makes me realize, Oh my God, it's just like a constant evolution, evolutionary process, uh, in my life. And, and Danae, you, you noted that you feel just, um, consistently evolving as well. Anyway, the way that I'm looking at it right now, The option for me that makes sense when it comes to politics, when it comes to diet, when it comes to, well, my lifestyle is pretty extreme still because I just enjoy self-development so much, but diet, politics, the the answer that feels really good for me currently is neither, neither of the choices. Like you say, Danae, uh, not the left, not the right in the politics and not the vegan, not the keto carnivore in the middle, just random. Because that is something that can't really be like belonging to no groups. That is something that can't really be advertised. So that feels, that feels better to me. That feels like I can trust it better. And it's also not very sexy because you're like, wait, so what, so then what do you believe? Well, you have to have a whole conversation about, you have to have a deep conversation about what you believe because you don't just say, oh, I'm liberal, liberal. Oh, I'm conservative. You have to actually have a conversation about it. And I think that's also important and it's so individualized and guess what? We're all individuals. So that's also something that I've learned in the coaching field. We all have different needs. Each of our medicine, our magic medicine is different. Um, so in reality, how I like to think right now at this point in my life is, Hmm. Okay. Well, what can't be advertised? Like, I don't even consider myself, I'm definitely in the conspiracy world, but I don't, I don't look at conspiracy theories because I think the dogma is crazy there too. So how I've been looking at it lately, Danae, having so many similar realizations, thoughts about what group do I belong to or not belong to is like, okay, what can be advertised? And then just what do I resonate on an individual level? What are your thoughts? Ooh, about advertising? Just about all of that. Like, do you do yeah. you resonate with that yourself? Do you see things a little bit differently? 
what I was going to say a moment ago is um, in agreement with you. I, and I actually just said this yesterday to someone else, the moment that I feel like I've figured something out and I know for sure that it is one way, the next moment is when I realize that it's not. And I have that moment of like, oh, I got it. Like it's, this is for sure. I figured this out. It's the next moment. It's like, nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. And, um, and I need to take like 10 steps back. I love what you said about belonging to no groups that resonates with me so deeply. And I've not thought about that before at all. And I love that because I love, I, I've said before that I, I am okay being the person who brings up questions for other people, no matter what that makes them feel inside. I know that it's not about me and I'm very comfortable being that question mark. And um, because it does, it brings people into some discomfort sometimes, but also opportunity. Um, I love that. Maybe I wanna belong to no groups too. That's cool. Oh, it's exciting. And it's great to, it's great to talk about this because it's, I don't say that all the time or anything, you know, like having a great conversation like this with you, uh, makes me think about stuff like that. And so in a way it's kind of a new materialized concept that I hadn't really thought about much either. Um, and I think it's important to note. So from my perspective, because I know that you know, anything could happen that could completely change my mind about the reality that we're in right now and everything that comes along with it. I also think how I like to keep a compassionate, objective view on things without being too opinionated just for what I, what I consider to be too opinionated for myself is like, maybe there needs to be some staunch vegans in the world. And maybe there needs to be some staunch carnivores in the world. And maybe there needs to be some liberals and some conservatives. Now, listen, I think that our divisiveness makes us very weak. So let me be clear about my opinion on that one. Uh, I think it's by design. So I, I don't think, oh, we're supposed to have a political system like this. Mm, I don't agree with it. But I do think like in our reality right now, what the hell do I know? Maybe there are supposed to be, maybe that's how the, the world works in harmony. There are people that are divided. There are people that aren't. Maybe it's our job in our generation. Danae and I are around the same age. Uh, maybe it's our job to to realize that we don't want to be part of a group and and to lead a different revolution. Maybe it's all supposed to be. What do you think? I think that it, um, revolution is is a good word. I was going to say it feels very radical to be it undefinable or not in categories because there's power for other people and other systems when they can categorize or identify something because if they know what x is then they know what to do with x but if you don't it kind of feels like a removal from multiple systems at once one of them being capitalism because if you know if the if I remove myself from like this tag and this tag and this tag then those pieces of advertising aren't gonna necessarily reach me um and if I remove all of that, then the system maybe even can't even find me. And mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not sure what system I'm talking about, maybe just the matrix in general, but that's what I would like to remove myself from completely. Yeah. <laughs> I have thought about that with um with this conversation about diet and veganism before until just now. And my wills are turning a little bit more. Cool. To, yeah. 
Cool. Yeah. And you know what? It's not really, it, it isn't really talked about that often because divisiveness is a marketing technique. And I don't think everyone's doing it eventually, or excuse me, I don't think everyone's doing it purposefully, but I mm -hmm. think people just don't like, I used to do this. I used to pick a side because I thought I needed to, and you don't, you don't. Um, so here's something cool. I'll, I'll touch on specifically in the diet realm and I'll see what your thoughts are, Danae. If it sounds confusing for everybody, let's say that some of us are really resonating exactly with what, what Danae is saying and, and we're thinking, yeah, maybe I do want to change my diet, whatever, which way that is. And I'm, I'm wondering, I'm asking these questions too, but I'm confused. Like, so where the fuck do I go now? And now you two are saying, oh, sometimes processed food is fine. What the hell? This is what, what's right? What's wrong? What do I do? And I, I know that it's really easy to feel like that when, um, you know, you, you haven't had these just natural realizations in your life about these certain, certain topics. And you're, when you're just curious about something, it's easy to get overwhelmed because you haven't seen the evidence of your life in your life of any particular thing working. And you need to see the evidence. I believe um, one of my good friends, Rosalie always says that if I see the evidence in my life, then I take it as my truth in, in this moment. Um, but here's one nice guideline that I enjoy. And it's something that, that Danae kind of introduced, I think. Talking about sustainable farming, talking about local stuff, like going back to the super, super, super traditional stuff. And I'm not talking about the 50s, cooking in the 50s and canned shit. I'm talking about what's, where's your closest farm and what do they sell? And where's your closest small farm? Let me be specific, not just where's your closest farm, but like, where's your closest small farm that's doing things like people used to do them thousands of years ago? What do they sell? So like going to your farmer's market, that's like a fun thing to do that, that I think could be so helpful in just seeing like, oh, there's all sorts of stuff here. So no matter what you want to do with your diet, the, Michigan has beans that we grow locally. I didn't even know that there's, I buy local beans cause I like to eat them sometimes. And, um, that's so cool. And that's not a meat item, uh, that, that grows here that, that offers protein, whatever. Uh, there's just so many options. So it, it's cool to be away from the, these groups that we're talking about, but still like supporting this idea of, oh yeah, wait, if, if you need something to follow or a guideline, I really enjoy shopping locally and that covers all different di diets and all sorts of foods. So Danae, what do you think about that? Yeah. So to be clear, if anyone's wondering like, well, what did I eat today? I haven't eaten meat yet. This is all just like thoughts that I have, that I haven't landed on. Um, and I don't know who, I don't know which direction I'm going to go. So, uh, I agree with you completely. And the, where I feel called is local, small farms that I, that are relationship based. I'm not willing to make any change or any, um, any purchases until I feel in my soul that it's the right thing to do. And to, for me, I know that that's going to be like, understanding researching and understanding what the processes of the farms are um how they view their animals and their relationship with the earth because i think that the understanding that's the part of the system that i think is missing that's where i would start if anyone were to to feel confused is just to try to understand 
wherever you are for yourself, what is the origin story behind how that landed in front of you and on your plate? And do you like that? Mm. Would you be happy if you understood from the genesis of that thing, if it was a seed or if it was an animal or if it was an egg and its whole journey to where it ended up with you and the energy that is associated with that? Does that align for you? That's where I'm at. Mm. Yeah, I love it. That's such a wise way of looking at things. Does it make sense to you? Does it make sense to you? Like, I, I can't tell you how many times back in the day when, when I was a part of whatever group, uh, where I was doing something that didn't even really make sense to me, but I thought was correct morally, right? So we see this a lot with the, like, we're not going to talk about the pandemic today, but um, I, I'm just going to say on my end, I see this with the vaccine and the, the masks and all that. A lot of people think it does not make sense, the, the regulations around the masks, but they still do it because they think it's morally correct or vegans. Let's, let's take, um, the topic we're talking about today, as an example, let's say a vegan is thinking about eating uh, a vegan. Let's say this is not Danae's situation, but let's say you're eating vegan and, and your health isn't correct. And um, it it's not really making sense what you're seeing about monocropping and, and veganism or like processed vegan foods. But you're like, well, I feel like it's morally correct, even though it doesn't really make sense because I know I used to feel better when I ate meat. And this is again, a random example. To me, when I have felt like that, it's it was time to investigate because maybe I need to revisit my moral code or maybe some, like there's a reason that something didn't make sense to me. That was my intuition being like, mm, double check that. Maybe like personalize this situation a little bit more for yourself. Um, so would you say, Danae, that you are trying to figure out now what makes sense to you in addition to what your moral code is? Yes. Yes. And the moral code is changing. Okay. That's what, yeah, yeah for sure. And I like, <laughs> God, it's so annoying sometimes. <laughs> oh, I'm with you. Oh, I'm with you. And really, like, there's just something, it's a part of my soul that loves to be opinionated about stuff. So I'm just like, I've been humbled so many times of just like, oh, fuck it. I can't be opinionated anymore because it's just not reality for it in my life. I get it. <laughs> I so relate to that because I have oscillated between feeling very open and compassionate and also very opinionated and judgmental, especially around mm -hmm. this this specific topic. And if I were to even a year ago have heard this conversation from two other people, I would have been like, yeah, right. <laughs> they have no idea what they're talking about. No idea what you're talking about. From the other side of just a little bit more wisdom, it's just so much better to not be opinionated and judgmental. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to bite you. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. It's at the end of the day, it's just, even if we wanted to look at it from a, like a very scientific psychological point of view, we are all just, well, this, this, this opens up into a different conversation, but like, we can also look at it from the perspective of we are still human 
And we've all had traumas that are different in our childhood. And that has helped to shape our psychology in all different ways. So who's to say that I know more than somebody else because we both had traumas and uh, everybody has, and that is what shapes how we view reality. So who, who even knows who's right, right? We've all, we're, we're all kind of on the same human plane. Um, so let's segue here into addiction. I want to start talking about that now. What has come up for you, Danae, about the general topic of addiction these days? Mm, so I, um, I shared a little bit earlier before we started recording about um, how that has shown up in my life for the past couple of years. And because I put it on our, our potential things that maybe we could talk about kind of randomly, um, because my, my husband is someone who struggles with addiction. I do not personally, but I'm married to someone who does. And I've had other people in my life struggle with the same thing. Um, and it's something that I, I feel very comfortable speaking about and being open about with intention. And I do have full permission to talk about this, um, from my husband in case anyone's wondering, but, um, the, I, I believe that the more people who are comfortable with it and talk about it, the more people will heal and feel less alone. And, um, the more stories that are shared that the better off we're all going to be because addiction is wicked. And it's such a, even though it's been here with us since the beginning of humanity, it's, um, so stigmatized and, um, shadow it's so in the shadow it doesn't have to be um so I just want to get more information out there to people just more stories I don't know if I have anything new for people to hear that they couldn't hear somewhere else but they're not alone specifically my husband went through a really wicked uh, relapse period at the end of 2019 through the first half of 2020, that was so hard for us to deal with. Um, on top of everything else that was going on mm -hmm. in 2020 for everyone, uh, it was really, really hard. And lately, so what's been coming up for me lately on this topic is how proud I am of the progress that he's made and where we are with our relationship. Because the general statistic is that when um, someone struggles with addiction, they can't maintain a relationship or they, the, their, their relationship or their marriage is doomed. And I understand the feelings of why that they would be doomed. Um, but I'm really proud to say that we're in a healthy place and we're not part of that. And that there is an other side to working through the struggles of active addiction and um, trying to be in recovery and failing and then trying to be in recovery again and succeeding. That's so cool. I love that perspective because I've never thought about that. And most of the folks, you know, Danae, and most of the folks that are listening here uh, know this, but if you don't, I have definitely dealt with dependency, addiction, prescription drugs, coffee, lifestyle habits, all different forms of addiction, which is good to note. I was um, dependent on Vicodin. I was dependent on 
Adderall. I was dependent on alcohol. I was dependent on procrastination. I was dependent on caffeine. Their addiction shows up in all different ways. And, you know, Danae and I were just touching on this before we started recording. Me personally, I don't really feel like one type of addiction is should be looked more down upon than the other. Uh, it's we, we all have our vices, right? Anyway, what's interesting uh, one of the things that's really interesting that you said, Danae, is that you can maintain a healthy relationship uh, when addiction is evolved, uh, is present, because there are ways to work around it. And again, I guess the theme of our conversation today is like, things are not black and white ever, you know, right? Um, but yes, Danae and her husband, we talked about I've never met Denae's husband, but we, we've talked about your relationship when we recorded last time on episode 20, just touching on it because I was really interested in Twin Flames those days. And uh, you were mentioning that your husband is your person and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to summarize and then you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you were mentioning, I think, Janae, that your husband is your person, but you you prefer not to use the term twin flame, but I wanted to give everyone a kind of a idea of what Janae's relationship is like, because it's really like this very connective relationship where you and your husband grow together. And it's not just like, yeah, I'm married and I've been married. And I guess, you know, this is just my person because we're married and, and that's cool. That's, that is for some people. Um, but, but Danae, I wanted to, to make note of the fact that she has a very conscious, connective relationship. Now, I'll, I'll let you explain that a little bit further in your own words. Thank you. That's also really kind. Um, I would, I like to feel that way, that there's, it's like an intentional relationship. And I don't feel like just who I am, I don't think that I could exist in another type of relationship. Um, not that there's anything right or wrong with that. And I'm sure that it presents its own challenges being partnered with me because I'm always trying to like get to a little deeper level and mm -hmm. like have a deeper conversation or, um, and I have to remind myself to not always try to exist there. So when the last time we talked, I was really, I was experiencing some new information about the term twin flame and then also the term divine union. I think that those terms, any terms around relationships can mean their own thing to every single person. So, yeah. but the way that I was understanding it is, I think that there's a lot of, there are a lot of topics and definitions in um, the spiritual world that are, are there as a diversion or a psyop or meaning that they're trying to they're there because they're like shiny and they're interesting and people want to understand them and then they end up putting a lot of energy into it and um, identifying with it or just investing a lot of their energy into it and what that does is links you up with that thing and then like black holes your energy um which is harvesting on your energy which is not good. <laughs> we don't want anything that's harvesting. And I feel like twin flames is one of those topics. Um, and I was feeling like the answer is divine union. Um, I don't really feel that way anymore. Having this conversation now, I feel like depending on who you talk to, divine union can be doing the exact same thing. Because if you're understanding what divine union is and um, 
putting a ton of energy into that and trying to figure out, is my relationship with twin flame? Is my relationship with divine union? Then all that energy is being harvested away. Um, I do feel like we are here to be together for sure. Whether that has a term or not, I think that we have work to do together as a unit and individually. And um, I don't want to put, um, I don't want to define it by a specific term, but I do feel very, very strongly in that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. So what were some practices that you and your husband undertook to help you become successful in your relationship, even amidst his difficulties with addiction or the the toughest moments in recovery and addiction? Mm. Speaking what was going on right in the moment, even yeah. Well, either like I'm curious, just what let's say someone else has a a situation like yours, Danae. They're 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 struggling with addiction and they're in a relationship, or uh, they one of their loved ones is. What were some practices that helped you to 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 continue having a great relationship during you know those times that were hard? Yeah. So the, I'd say the biggest thing is, um, when something comes up, speaking to it immediately in, in that moment, um, even just saying like, Hey, I'm having like this feeling arrive. And instead of pushing it down and hoping, trying to convince myself that it's not there, um, I'm just going to say, this is how I'm feeling and let's talk about it right now, because that led to opportunities to like to work through, I'm trying to, I think I'm getting a little too ahead of myself. So a big thing that happens with um, addiction is the breaking of trust. It's hand in hand. Um, So there was several, there were several instances of the breaking of trust, which is just what happens. Um, And my intuition was extremely strong um, and telling me for a long, long, long time, something's going on, something's going on, something's going on. And I put, I didn't like confront it or bring it up because I had another voice saying, but you're, there's nothing like, what are you talking about? Mm. There's you, you have nothing to talk about. Um, So getting to a point where if I felt anything that I would just say, Hey, I feel this weird thing. um, And I don't know why, or I feel like it's this, let's talk about it. And sometimes it was because I had, um, a recurring like feeling of trauma or anxiety or something come up and that was an opportunity for us to talk about why that came up the instance before have a conversation that was really hard but also cathartic and healing and then we could move on from that um and uh, that helped a lot in a lot of ways to process things and get get rid of them so they didn't move forward with us um so so helpful very uncomfortable to do that because sometimes it's like oh god like I don't want to we're like in the middle of dinner or like I'm busy or I don't want to stay up late and talk but Mm -hmm. it's happening right now so we're like dealing with it right now um yeah what are what's an example of that like did you get an intuitive feeling that he was using again and that's what that's what was coming up for you 
Yeah, I did for a long time. Um, and I didn't want to say it out loud because he had been on a journey of recovery for long, long, long before we even met. Um, so for me to say, like, I think that you're using again is so accusatory mm. and hurtful. So I didn't want to say that, but I did have that feeling and it came out several months, several months later that that was what was going on. Um, so yeah. So an example of that is like, so an example of that would be like, I found one time, um, a medicine bottle of, of a medicine that is like a completely normal over the counter, like I can't even remember what it was, but something that is a totally logical, normal thing for someone to have, but it was different from what we normally have in the cupboard, which is really nothing, maybe some ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, seeing something that was like medicinal with a different label in a weird spot, I didn't understand what it was immediately triggered in me. It's something that's being hidden from me. It's something foreign, so it must be opiate related. And I could look at it and read the label and it it wouldn't link into me. I was having like a trauma response of like, Mm. I'm feeling like I was feeling like a year and a half ago and I need to talk about it now. So being like, hey, this is is happening. This is like (laughs) ridiculous maybe that like I'm having this feeling over this completely normal thing, but being able to talk, talk about that or just have him reassure me like, it's this because this and I bought it because this and there there's like going back into that place of comfort and trust and build that like tiny opportunity of honesty and trust building is like goes into the like trust cup and um adds another layer of foundation onto what we're building yeah so when you had these trauma responses or these intuitive feelings they weren't always correct quote unquote like um when you when you had the intuitive feeling or when you had the feeling come up all of a sudden of oh my gosh he's hiding something from me that wasn't always the case no 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 well I think um when there the initial so what happened was that like he had a period of of pretty intense relapse that I didn't know about. And when I discovered it, it was so gut-wrenching for so long and it shattered, I mean, broke my heart, but also like shattered all the illusion of my whole life really um, made me question everything. And it, it just like destabilized, instabilized. I'm not sure what the correct word is, but made me feel extremely unstable and um a lot of different ways so that energetic imprint like that deep amount of trauma doesn't go away um it we anything like that if we loop back to it so I mean you could even say maybe this is a it's I'm not diagnosed or anything but maybe that's like a little bit of PTSD when there's a little bit of, tr- of trigger it was like the emotional state of that moment would come back mm-hmm. from something that is like just making me think about that, that time back there. So being able to like confront it in that moment, no, it's not logical. And it looks like a completely different thing, but it's, I'm having that same experience that I was having before. So yeah. 
probably so many of us know that feeling. Like for me, I would, I get, I'm thinking about myself in relationships and I've never had a longer term relationship with anyone who has had substance abuse issues. I was always the one, (laughs) but, um, I have had these intuitive feelings, like something is wrong as in more of like someone is holding emotional information from me and it's their emotional information to hold. So it's not like, you know, they could share with me, they couldn't depending on what their privacy level is, but I felt like, okay, something has changed and this person has not shared it with me or this person has always had something that they haven't quite shared with me. So it's like twofold. It's what my trauma response, like you say, Danae, um, I have been also like paranoid or I have, uh, it was hard for my, my parents were emotionally inconsistent with me. So it was hard for me to, although they were trust trusting on in all the technical details of my life, uh, the emotional trust was not there. I didn't know how they were going to respond, if they were going to yell at me or if they were going to be totally fine with stuff. So I, I knew that people were capable of changing their emotional environment so often. So that could have nothing to do with the current partner or it could be an intuitive response. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, totally. It's hard to navigate sometimes when you feel like something is intuitive and it, I think it's important to be able to give your, to like check in and, and know your own trauma and know your mm. own cycles because that can mask itself as intuition as a, as a protection mechanism for yourself too. If you can tell yourself it's your intuition, then you can run from it or confront it or escape from it or whatever you're going to do. Um, and it's not always right. And I think that gets in our way a lot of times. Yeah, absolutely. I I love, I love how you say that. And I think the common denominator here too, is that's why it's so important for us to have open, vulnerable relationships with people that we are very close to, you know, and I'll, I'll be careful about saying that we can trust or that we can't trust. Cause we're literally talking about like, you know, trauma responses that makes it hard for us to trust, but like just people that feel warm to us and feel homey to us to have vulnerable relationships. So we can talk about what's going on. Just people that will, will listen actively to what's going on in our emotional landscape and in our minds and be able able to uh, respond in a compassionate way. That's what you're saying now, Danae, is that having this level, this, this deep level of communication is what helps you get through these rough times that involved addiction. And also that kind of, it allows us to work through all the other times where we're having these, I don't know, is it an intuitive sponsor, response or is it not? It helps us to work through this stuff. So yeah, it, yeah. Very cool. And I'm wondering if there are any other, anything else you want to say about how you were able to work through this together and just any, also any reflections on, on the difficult situation that you had and any thoughts? Yeah. Um, I was going to share the other thing that was really good for us and continues to be is, um, holding just so much space for each other to to process individually and heal individually but also like space and patience with each other because um 
his ability to to see where I was at and recognize like this is the pain that I'm dealing with and um, it's not going to just disappear or even if the problem is solved the the pain is still showing up for him to like every every time I'm I was and still do deal with that stuff coming up he is calm and sits with me and has listened to me when I said this is like my love language and the way that I feel the most connected and this is what I need from you and and for him to hear those things and then show up in those ways and just give me space to like explain how I'm feeling and not be judged about it even when it doesn't seem logical and then on my end I have seen him process through in this healing process like the physical issues that one deals with when they're getting off of drugs and he's been um, almost done with but has been a part of a methadone clinic since mid-2020 um so going through the process of that and like weaning off of methadone and experiencing withdrawal and um, that takes a toll on someone's body and their emotional state and just being supportive of that whole process and proud at every single step of the way. We've been able to see each other through our individual processes and um, grow individually and also like get so much stronger as a result of that patience and space and truly I think that's like I feel so lucky to feel loved in that way yeah I think that's that's so important like to to go through times like that and and that was really the first thing that you said before we started recording Danae like I was like okay so you want to talk about addiction like what's the what how's it showing up for you what what's the context there and the first thing I think that you said was yeah my husband man I'm just so proud of him you know that's the first (laughs) thing that comes out and that's that that's a compassionate um, connective relationship right there right like that's what you want you want to be able to go through hard times with your partner on both ends and have your partner and you say, man, I'm just so proud of them for going mm-hmm. through that. That's, I think that's such great evidence of, um, of your, how healthy your relationship is. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And I'm wondering if, was your husband always like this? Was your husband always able to hold so much space for you emotionally? My, um, he's a very fourth, you should meet him sometime. He's yeah. a very <laughs> forthcoming person. He grew up in Chicago. So he's like, a little bit um big city blunt and um which I love so much he he is very honest in conversation Mm -hmm. and yes so he's always been very caring and open to a certain degree except for when it butts up against his trauma and but through this process he's been really evaluating and healing a lot of his trauma which is the root of his addiction um and has actually led to healing for the first time in a very, 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 very long time. So when he heals a piece of that, then he's able to show up for me and for us even more in a way he wasn't able to in the past. So it's not like, I don't want anyone to hear this and think that like everything is fixed and everything is perfect. We have this rock star relationship because no, we struggle every single day still with you know, normal relationship stuff, relationship stuff. And also this, it's hard. Um, but 
it just gets better and better. And if we both stay open, it will continue to get better, um, which requires both of us to consistently be doing the hard work and maintaining that openness. Yeah. When I talk to people who are in these great relationships where they're not just like a relationship to the outside world, it's really like a deep whatever, like we're talking about a deep connective relationship where both partner is actually actively working on themselves and working on the relationship as a whole. Something that I hear people say often is kind of like what you're, what you're just saying, Danae, and that it's difficult. You have difficulties, but you see the progress and that adds to the momentum to the relationship. And then eventually it just becomes overall like this incredible experience, this incredible journey. So you really become even more connected together. Like the, the bond is even stronger because of all the difficult stuff that you went through and then got through and then learned how to navigate. Do you feel that way? Totally. And what I didn't understand, I, I understood when I got married, it was, neither of us wanted to get married when we, when we first met and we are married now. So we obviously changed our minds, but mm-hmm. for me, the decision to become married and I knew that it was the way I felt about the commitment level and the depth of that decision. Um, and I knew it was going to be hard. I had no idea, no idea how hard. And people say that all the time. It is has been harder than I ever thought would be possible. To, wow. The, the, the challenge of sifting. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, getting through those valleys, it's so rewarding. Marriage is the coolest. And maybe not just marriage, but that kind of willingness to be present in a relationship like that is just so awesome and the rewards are great um but no it's not it's definitely not an easy path emotionally (laughs) yeah hard yeah for sure (laughs) um and yeah it reminds me too this whole other layer of like all your inner child and shadow stuff comes out like I think from psychological like more psychiatry or psychological standards it's like after the first couple years like one and a half to two years that's often when people's like the shit starts coming up and I've ended every relationship at the one and a half to two year mark because it starts getting real and I'm like no I don't want to deal with this basically and like at this point I've just chalked it up to like well I didn't want it I didn't, I wasn't even aware that that stuff was coming. I didn't even know what an inner child was, first of all. Second of all, it perhaps just, I wasn't meant to go through it with them. I didn't want to go through it with them. Uh, But at the same time, you know, who knows? Like, who knows? So just to give everyone a reference, like I've just straight up ended relationships when that stuff, when stuff gets hard, like just ended it. Um, (laughs) It's easier. And yeah, so to, to stick with it, and then notice the rewards and, and to also know that you want to go through it with that person. I think, um, that's a super cool achievement to have. Oh, sorry, Emily. Go ahead. Um, I'm remembering back to the start of our relationship when we were just starting to date and I was fresh out of that, a really awful relationship that was abusive, um, emotionally abusive and 
I would say verbally abusive as well. And I, when I was, his name is Ryan, my husband, when I was freshly with Ryan, um, I kept having this feeling of like, this is like too easy or like, Mm. this feels so good, but like something is really weird. And I remember talking to my sister on the phone. Um, I was living in Chicago and I was like, yeah, I just like, I feel so comfortable and like so at ease it's like such a weird feeling and I didn't it was feeling uncomfortable to me because it was so comfortable and I hit a moment where I was like oh because I was equating the toxicity or like high levels of passion of that other relationship to like feeling like that was fate or destiny or that Mm -hmm. was like the ultimate relationship and this relationship was healthy Mm-hmm. Um, and, but didn't have that like roller coastery, high, low, crazy amounts of like chaos. And I was, a, I was like addicted to that or equating like that's what real love is, but it's definitely not. Um, it's definitely not. And, and I'm so happy that I, um, I don't experience that anymore. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I love that you said that, Danae, because I'm still figuring out. Where, where I land there because I've only been like I don't even know if you'd call it trauma informed but whatever aware of how all this stuff mixes in with relationship I've only like since my last relationship which was it ended a year ago that's about how long I've I've really known about this stuff like I was aware of it but then the, the deep emotional healing stuff I started to look into that around the end of my last relationship so now dating it's funny because I'm, I'm telling my, one of my closest friends often, like it's another one of these situations where you don't know if it's intuitive, you don't know if it's a trauma response, or you don't know if it's your reaction to a healthy situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Based on like the trauma that you experienced before, because yeah. my father was saying like, this is different. So this is a threat. And yeah. it was sending signals of like, something's wrong something's wrong when actually it was like no something is actually right for the first time yeah and sometimes people will just escape that try to get out of that because they don't like the comfort the discomfort of that feeling exactly exactly I totally totally understand that I I mean I still don't know how that like what that looks like for me yet personally but um so I want to I have a feeling that a couple other people are perhaps feeling a similar way to me Cause let's face it, most of our relationships are not healthy when we're, when we're early, um, when we are younger earlier on in life, mm-hmm. uh, because of just how we, we get conditioned in society. So when you met Ryan, did you, f- and this is going to look different for everyone individually, of course, but you personally, Janae, did you feel safe? Mm-hmm. Always yeah. emotionally safe? Yes. Yeah. So when we met, he, I was actually with that other person um, in a long-term relationship. And um, so we met as coworkers and friends at first, and we were both living in Chicago. And so we would, we worked at a vegan restaurant together, ironically, mm-hmm. um, before either one of us were decided to be vegan. Um, and yeah, so the feelings of safety were absolutely there and there was no romantic element to it to our, the beginning part of our relationship, but we would like travel through the bus line and the, the CTA, the um, the trains 
every night and like close the restaurant together and like travel home. And it was very much like feeling of safety and like conversation and um, not wanting to leave. And now I know we were probably both developing feelings for each other. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I always wanted to, felt very safe and, and comforted and never wanted to leave. I never wanted to get off the train. Oh, that's so nice. And I think that's such a good marker too. Like, again, it looks different for everybody, but um, the the whole idea of emotional safety has come into my ecosystem as of literally this month. Um, And of course we know that what the concept means likely, like we know the word emotional and we know the word safe. Uh, but I haven't heard it very often expressed together. And I've been doing some hypnosis meditations that uh, pinpoint trauma healing pretty directly for me personally. And um, uh, I've been seeing the literal like physical effects of me releasing trauma, which is so interesting, like crazy crying or laughing, but nothing's funny, all of that. that kind of release. Um, So I've been just learning things just from like a more, for me, it's super scientific. I usually don't get scientific about shit, but it's, it's like a very psychological view on things. Um, Anyway, the idea of emotional safety has come up as something that I really, really need that I didn't feel that before, even if I had a partner who was faithful to me, who was super loyal, who treated me well, uh, something didn't feel emotionally safe, whether they were really defensive when certain things would come up or they were not truly being their, their full selves. Let's be honest. I wasn't doing either of those things either. And that's why I attracted them into my environment. Like, <laughs> they were great partners, but they weren't, I, I, I look back on that time and I'm like, I know why I attracted them. That was meant to be, but also like, if I was at met with that experience now I would say no even though they're great partners but even and even though I'm emotionally evolved enough to work through topics with them I would still say no because it doesn't feel emotionally safe it doesn't feel like they can fully hold space for me authentically um and was that one of your kind of deciding factors like what when when you were like hmm what is this and what what kind of led you to cross over to the other side so to speak of like oh this can transform into a romantic relationship oh um I'm actually stuck on something that I want to ask you (laughs) go go ahead how I wondering how would you define now that you know what you're looking Mm -hmm. for how would you define emotional safety for yourself Figured it out last night. Um, okay, figured it out. That's so funny. Like it, it all comes for full circle. Like I prop two days, two two days um into the future, I might be like, I had no idea, but right. <laughs> it feels You're like sure in this way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Up until this point, what I have figured out, and this is as of last night, um, there is a there is a person that I know electronically through Instagram, who has this level of, again, authenticity. That's where that word came from that I just used. And honesty and integrity that is so impenetrable. And I I heard a saying recently 
that goes like true self-worth is a quiet knowing or a humble knowing. It's not telling everybody that you're, you're so worthy. It's not all this confidence and Danae's like nodding and like, yes, vibing with me on that right now. Um, and that, I think that comes from to be magnetic. I heard um, Lacey Phillips, owner of to be magnetic say that, but this is how I feel about this person. You cannot fake this shit folks. Um, and this is a man and we no no romantic stuff, but he embodies what what it feels like for me to be emotionally safe with someone with with a man. I'll say because I feel emotionally safe with many females, very rarely with men in my life. And he is like he's got it. So actually, what I said to myself the last night was I wrote this down in my phone. I don't even because I, I I want a really specific partner in in the forefront of my mind, Danae. It's like this really weird person that I've kind of mapped out to manifest. Let's just see if it, it can happen. To be honest with you, and in 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 the note of this whole uh, mood that we have on this episode of not knowing if not knowing what is right or what is wrong, not knowing the answers. I don't know if I, if I really need any of these specific qualities that I mapped out to manifest this partner. But the one thing that I'm sure about is this authenticity piece. It's a quiet knowing, and it's, it, it basically carries along the theme of this episode, Danae, which is like, I'm not really going to judge anybody else, but this is what I found that I needed through experience and being burned so many times. And just that humble confidence that makes me feel so safe and trusting towards that person. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. And I love that. It, yeah. It's painting lots of pictures in my head. It's like, if they're showing up full and whole and who they are, and that's what's presented to the world, like no matter what that is they're standing in their truth yeah so you can trust what they are yeah that exactly exactly you can trust who they are because the love and authenticity gets thrown around so much and I used to I I was talking about authenticity when I wasn't really being that authentic right so it's just like the the easiest word that I can think of but that's what I that's what I hear in my mind when I listen to this person talk just so deeply authentic I don't have a question about if this is a front or not or if this is coming from somewhere else it's just like just like talking from the heart. So it's like beyond a good listener. It's beyond a good communicator. It's just, this person just is, it's like what, what you're saying, extending on that. They just are because there are, there are very few fronts they're putting up They're They're just being who they are. Um, so yeah, what there, there's nothing else to worry about in my mind at that point. Yeah. It's like, yep. That's my answer. I love that question. Uh -huh. Um, thank you. That's a really awesome description. And I, I would resonate with that too, for like, what is it like to be emotionally, emotionally safe? Absolutely. Same for me. You, you feel that with your partner? Yeah, I definitely do. And that's one thing that I love about him is that like, he is who he is and he doesn't try to hide that. Um, I mean, outside of like struggling with addiction, but that's something that's not at the core of who somebody is. It's not. Um, I loved that about him initially. And it also challenged me because I wasn't used to someone. I was coming out of a relationship with someone who didn't, who wasn't the embodiment of that at all. So it was, it was like really awesome for me to be able to like, even if I don't agree, you're still going to be 
who you are and stand up for what you believe in and like butt up against and challenge me in those ways and um calm me out as well that's one thing I remember from the beginning of our relationship I was like god you're the literally the only person I've had in my life who like will say things to me that at first I was like I'm am I offended or has nobody ever just pointed that out about me before yeah it was latter it was like no you're showing up as like a teacher for me and pointing out things that other people have let slide in my personality. And now you are here to confront me about it. Like, cool. Um, it's giving me an image of like being a pillar mm. and being that kind of a, having that kind of a pillar allows me to relax and be myself too and be free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the idea of your rock. That's beautiful. I love it. Ah, oh, Danae, what a great conversation. I, I feel so immersed in this in this vibe. And um, thank you so much for coming on. Danae Mather is a yoga teacher teaching at Kula Yoga in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I was just going to say, you're, you're, you're a yoga teacher, but so many other things, like such an amazing person, so dynamic. Uh, but check Danae out at kula it's a great yoga center i love it thank you so much for being here with us today and having this conversation with me danae i appreciate it so much thank you too emily i I hope you loved this episode if the content that i put out into the world resonates with you if it adds value to your life please do me a big favor and help me share it with the rest of the world please help me share it with more people. That is really how you can support my work and how you can support my content. Help me spread the word of natural health, natural healing, self-healing, and self-development and self-empowerment. This is why I got into this industry, so I can tell more people about how we can change our lifestyle to change how we feel every single day. It's so important for me to get that word out. So if you love this content and you enjoy it, please help me by spreading the word that it exists, that my content exists. That would mean the world to me. Thank you so much for listening. If you are interested in one-to-one coaching, you can contact me via email or via Instagram. Follow me on Instagram at emilys.rootawakening and the information on how to join my email tribe, how to join the Root Awakening commune, and how to grab my online communication course is all in the notes. I love you so much. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening.